This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholic. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. If you need a Bible this morning, raise your hand. We have a Bible for you. We're in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. We're going to be finishing chapter 7 and going, dipping our toes into chapter 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. The title of today's message is Wise Counsel. Wise Counsel. And this is something that that we should want in our lives. We should surround ourselves with people or seek out people when we find ourselves in a difficult situation or any kind of situation. I don't know why I squeak like that, but any kind of situation, any kind of situation um, that we need counsel in, we we should be seeking to, to receive wise counsel. We should not be seeking to receive counsel from somebody who we know what they're gonna say and that's why we go to them. You know what I mean? Oh, this is, what I, this is what I need, and if I go talk to that person, they'll tell me the truth, but if I go to this person, you know, they, they, they're going to let me continue in this thing that I'm doing. And I was signing some papers for something this past week, and it was like 13 pages, and at the top of almost every one, in big, bold font, bigger font than everywhere else, it says, do not proceed and sign these papers without first seeking legal counsel. It's, it's very serious, you know, like... We need to be about making wise decisions. And one of the things that Solomon was known for was his wisdom. And one of the things that we're going to see today, our word for the day, well, we'll get there in a second. We're going to see how in life, the application of, of good godly wisdom to our life is going to bring fruit and, and life as opposed to death. We'll see that in one of the verses but we want to seek wise counsel. We want to be connected to the heart of God, having him lead us. Do you know that it's a promise in the New Testament that if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of the Father who gives to all liberally and without reproach. Do you want liberal wisdom? Then ask for it. When I, as a young believer, I cried out to God, God, I'm stupid. I don't know what I'm doing. Please give me wisdom. And that's why I'm so smart now. If you guys noticed, I'm very wise. We'll get to that too in the next the first few verses we cover. But seek God, seek him for wisdom. He will grant you the wisdom that you need. Amen? What was our first word? We have words. I like how the Lord kind of each book... I'm looking at things from a different perspective. God, what do you have for us in this book, and how are we going to go through it? We still go verse by verse. We still go chapter by chapter. What's something fresh, Lord, that you have for us? Give us ears to hear. And and the Lord presented this word, a study. So we have the title, but we also have a word. What was the first word? Does anybody remember? Purpose. Number two, contentment. Number three, time. You guys... Get excited. <laughs> Time. Four. Companionship. Five. Rest. Six. Reputation. Does anybody know what today's word is? Wisdom. Wisdom. It's the first time we've had the word in both, but you know, 
Wise counsel is not the same as having wisdom, but it is seeking that. It's seeking that. So the, the word for today that you can jot down if you're taking notes is wisdom. And to open up these verses, before we start in verse 13, we have to kind of pick up where we left off to open the door to these the series of sayings and, and, and wise proverbs by Solomon about wisdom. And this is what he says in verse 12 to open us up. For wisdom is a defense as money is a defense. But the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. What is he saying? He's saying you can, you can overcome uh, your difficulties or defend yourself monetarily. But you can also defend yourself or overcome by wisdom. Money has its limit. Wisdom will save your life. Money cannot save your life. Wisdom can save your life. And then we see two things here, but the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. We see two words here that are closely connected, but they are not the same word. There's actually three words, but the two words here in the Hebrew that we're looking at that are different are knowledge and wisdom. Do you know there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom? Did you know that? Knowledge is information. Wisdom is application. Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting tomatoes in a fruit salad. You see what I'm saying? Can you smell what, what I'm cooking? Knowledge and wisdom. You may have knowledge about something. It doesn't necessarily mean you approach the, the thing in a wise manner. So what we want is we want to seek knowledge. We want to gain knowledge. We're going to see more about that too. But we want to take it and apply it to our lives in wisdom. With that said, we're going to jump into verse 13, which is the beginning of our study, but I'm going to go ahead and pray for us. Father God, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. We don't deserve it. We didn't earn it. But you are faithful when we are faithless because it's who you are. You cannot deny yourself. And this isn't so much of a focus on us, God, as much as it's a focus on you and your goodness and your grace, your mercy, your plan, your kingdom, your purposes. Father, we thank you for that blessed time of worship this morning, that we can worship you. We can sense your presence, draw near to you offering you the, the fruit of our lips and it be coming from a place of worship in our hearts. As your word says, the Father seeks those who worship in spirit and in truth. Father, we thank you for your word, this book, and how you teach us true wisdom through it. We pray, Father, that our perspective of digging into your word this morning is that it is a form of worship as well. We take your word to heart. We take it seriously. We want it to change our lives and mold us into your image. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity, for your provision, for taking care of us, and for our opportunity to offer you our tithes and offerings. And we want to do it as, as a form of worship. We don't want to do it out of compulsion. We don't want to do it because we feel like we have to. We want to worship you, God, with everything that we have. 
And we pray that you'd bless those things. Bless your word as we study through it because it is blessed. Bless my brothers and sisters, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, what we're going to do, or chapter 7, verse 13, what we're going to do is as we work through this study, we're going to highlight seven ways of wisdom. So if you want to be wiser, if you want to be smarter, if you want to apply your knowledge to make it wisdom, here's seven practical ways that you can do that on a daily basis or throughout this week. I know usually, you know, messages have two or three points, but you'll be fine. You have the note cards in the back of your seat so that you can jot them down and follow along. It'll be fun. And, and really, this is a lot of proverbial sayings. It kind of sets the stage for a, a direction that we're going. So try to follow along if you can. Our number one way of wisdom is found in verse 13. Consider the work of God, for who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful, but in the day of adversity, consider. Surely God has appointed the one as well as the other, so that man can find out nothing that will come after him. Number one, you want to be wise? Put it up there. Consider the work of God. Consider that what you are going through right now and what's happening in your life is filtered through God's understanding and knowledge of what's happening for you. He understands. He knows. And, and consider that, that he has that purpose and plan before the foundations of the world, earth for you. Look, consider the work of God. For who can make straight what he has made crooked? Have you ever been going down a road and all of a sudden you're going down this road, it's super smooth sailing, everything's good, and then you see a sea of red lights. You're on the 95 heading north to go out of town because you're going camping with your family. And then all of a sudden you're in a parking lot. And what can you do? You can do nothing except what everybody else does, which is sit there and wait for them to figure out what's happening up ahead to fix it to get you moving again. You can try to get off on the next next exit. Next exit. Can't talk today. You can get off on an ass exit. <laughs> and guess what? Everybody else is trying to get off on the next exit too. And you're going to be in the same position. And sometimes when you do that, you find yourself in even in a more difficult situation. And you could be cruising through life, golden, everything's good, and all of a sudden, God puts the brakes on and says, this is not happening in your life. Kind of like Balaam and Balak. Remember? Balaam, you know, Balak sends for Balaam, the prophet, to curse the children of Israel. And, and Balaam is cruising on his way to go do it, even though God told him not to, to the point where the donkey goes up against the wall to, you know, get away from the angel about to lop his head off and crushes his foot and he starts cursing the donkey. And the donkey's like, hey, I'm just trying to help you out, man. Donkey starts talking to him. And the funny part is not that the donkey talks to him. The funny part is that he talks back to the donkey. He's like, yeah, but you're hurting me. He's like, I'm trying to save your life. Come on. I'm paraphrasing. You can read it if you'd like to. <laughs> But you're cruising in a direction where you're cruising for a bruising. 
And God is like, I don't want you going down this road. Who can make straight the path that he makes crooked? And the, the opposite is also true by the grace of God, right? Thank God sometimes you're cruising and it's crooked or it should be crooked or you're expecting it to be difficult and it's just smooth sailing. God opens doors that no man can shut and he closes doors no man can open. It's just like boom, boom, boom. It's just like 90 miles an hour. I was talking to somebody who lives way deep in Summerlin uh, not too long ago. Actually, is I think even further north. But they were talking about how they wanted to come check the church out. They had never been here before. This is a while ago, but um, they jumped on the 215, and they're like, and we got there in like 15, 20 minutes. It was crazy. I'm like, Sunday in Vegas, the freeways, they're not really, nobody's, everybody's watching football, a bunch of heathens, you know, nobody's going to church. So good for you. They're like, wow, that's not bad at all. It's not bad at all. When God opens doors, whew, open freeway. When God closes doors, Let's make sure that we're not the ones trying to elbow it or, or shoulder it open to get it going. Because if it's not the best for us, why would we want it anyway? God knows best. So you want to be wise? You want to consider in wisdom this week what God has for you? Don't forget to consider the work of God. You are his workmanship. Do you know that? You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works since the foundation of the earth was laid. Workmanship, that Greek word poema, you're his masterpiece. He is doing something. Don't allow yourself to prohibit God's work in your life. Be wise. Consider God's doing something. And I want to be a part of that. I want to allow myself to be a part of his purpose and plan. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider. Consider. Surely God has appointed the one as well as the other. So what can man find out? Nothing that will come after him. Yes, there's good things. There's difficult things. God knows what's going on. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right. You guys don't know what's going on, I guess. Amen. Amen. There you go, Kobe. Verse 15, I have seen everything in my days of vanity. There's a just man who perishes in his righteousness, and there's a wicked man who prolongs life in his wickedness. Do not be overly righteous, nor be overly wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Do not be overly wicked, nor foolish. Why should you die before your time? There's a just man who perishes in his righteousness, and there's a wicked man who prolongs his life in wickedness. Number two, if you're following along, taking notes, number two is avoid extremes. Avoid extremes. And you may be thinking to yourself, I can, can I be too righteous? I thought that was a good thing to be righteous. It is good to be righteous except when there's self-righteousness involved. Do you guys know what self-righteousness is? It's pretty much that you think you're better than everybody else. And, and there's, you're not teachable. You're always right. You ever talk to somebody or, or argue with somebody who's never wrong? No matter what, they're never wrong. They're always right. I had a situation this past week where somebody did something wrong and, and I, I confronted them about it. And I'm like, hey, listen, this is what happened. Why did this happen? And they're like, no, no, it's not my fault. This is what happened. And that's the way it is. And I'm like, well, wait a second. Like, it is your fault. You decided to do this thing. Now, what, what I'm hoping for, like what I'm hoping for, is a heart of repentance. 
not at heart of self-righteousness, because yes, it happened. Yes, it was your fault. Yes, you chose to do that thing. Now just own up to it, you know? Don't be overly righteous or self-righteous. You guys know the kind of people? Also, it says, do not be overly righteous. Do not be overly wise. Do you know the wise, not wise guys, because I'm a wise guy, but the other kind of wise guys, they just, they, they, they know everything. I felt like I was this kind of person as, as a younger man. I, and, and even today, like if, I, if I'm completely honest with you, I feel like come to me with any of your problems and I will have an answer. I'm very wise. I've got it all figured out. I will help you. We will move forward. It'll be great. And it's like, no, please. I, I, I realize now that God, God is, is really the only one who is wise. And now when people come to me for counsel, I stop myself every time and say, Lord, these people do not need to hear from me. They don't need to hear from me. They don't need to hear my opinion. They don't need to hear what I think. God, they need to hear from you. Please speak to them because I need you present in this situation. I like what Paul says. You guys remember Paul says, this is what the Lord says, period. And this is what I say. This is what I think, you know, but it's not what the Lord says. Don't get it confused. I think Paul was very wise in in saying that and not having to always be the person with an answer. I think some of us, maybe not all of us, but some of us can tend to be that kind of person who has an answer for everything. You know what? It's okay not to have an answer for everything. It's okay to, to trust and lean on God's wisdom and his life experience <laughs> because it's much greater than what mine is anyway. Don't be overly wise. Don't be overly righteous. Why should you destroy yourself? How does destruction come from being overly righteous or overly wise? You don't have all the answers. You're not totally righteous. You do have deficiencies, and there will come a point where that will show. And whoever you built yourself up to, to, to look like is going to be a false representation of that person because you're not. You're just not. We're people. God knows what's going on. So we have the good, then we have the bad. Do not be overly wicked, nor be foolish. Why should you die before your time? Yes, doing stupid things, being wicked, being foolish could cost you your life. Are you aware of this? Could cost you every mother's nightmare. Her teenage son is going to spend some time with his friends, and she knows that they're all stupid because they're teenage boys. And she's just praying, God, please spare my son's life. Help him not to be overly wicked or overly foolish. But it still applies to all of us because we can make decisions that we think are okay that are not okay. So to, to avoid the extremes, avoid the extremes. You know, submit ourselves to God. The next point ties right in with this. But submit ourselves to God to the degree that we are, we are humbled before him so that he can work out the details of our life. Let's look at the next verse. It's point three. It is good that you grasp this. Every time you see a verse like this in the Bible, you should memorize the whole Bible. But whenever you see a verse like this, take note, underline it. It is good that you grasp this. It is good that you grasp this. And also not remove your hand from the other. For he who fears God will escape them all. 
Number three is the fear of God. You know, the, the majority of the book of Proverbs tells us fear God is the beginning of what? Wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And it's not this, this picture or this idea of me being scared of God as much as it's a picture of me being submitted and surrendered to God. And it's played out in a relationship whether you, are, you have been a child at some time or you have children now. My kids want to tell me about everything that they do that they know pleases me. They don't want to tell me about the things that they do that displease me. They want me to know about the things that please me. They say, Daddy, Daddy, I brushed my teeth. I'm like, great job. Who cares? (laughs) Daddy, Daddy, I did my chores. Daddy, Daddy, I got an A on the test. Daddy, Daddy, I did this. Daddy, I did this. I did that. And I'm thinking like, you know, (laughs) sweet. Like, stop. Just leave me alone. But that's not what I say because I'm a good father. I've come to realize that the reason that they do this is because they want my approval. Like they, they want me to know that they're trying to do good because it pleases me. And man, then doesn't that just melt your heart? Just melts your heart like, oh God, you're so good. And, and you've given us this relationship to emulate or, or to, to be a testimony of our relationship with you. And our, our heart to God should be a submission to him and a reverence of him that says, Daddy, Daddy, this is what my life looks like because I want you to be pleased. Do you guys understand that? This is what my life looks like because I want you to be pleased. And God is pleased. He's pleased with us. As we continue to follow him and to be conformed into his image, we start to look more like him, more like our heavenly father and not other people around us. And, and it's pleasing. The, the clouds open up. The Holy Spirit descends on a dove onto Jesus. And he says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus did not consider it robbery to be on the same level of God, but to humble himself. He was God in the flesh. And it was the exact representation. He was the exact representation of God our Father. It's good that you grasp this and also not remove your hand from the other. Go extremes back and forth. For he who fears God will escape them all. You want to hear the most essential keystone truth to having godly true wisdom. Fear the Lord. Revere him. Allow your reverence for God to be a filter for the decisions that you make on a daily basis and your life will look dramatically different. The things that you think, the things that you say, the relationships that you have, the things that you post on Instagram. Allow the reverence and understanding of who God is to be a filter for you, and you will be shown as a wise person. That's number three, the fear of God. It is good that you grasp this and also not remove your hand from the other, for he who fears God will escape them all. Wisdom strengthens the wise more than 10 rulers of a city. 
I wonder, I made a bad joke in the first service, so I won't do that again. But I wonder if these are mutually exclusive, you know? The rulers of the city, one wise person is better than 10 rulers of a city. How come they, we can't have both? <laughs> wise rulers of the city. This doesn't seem to work out. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know. I apologize. I offended somebody. Verse 20, thanks, Kobe. For there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. There is not a just man on earth who does good and do not sin. Isn't it beautiful how you can have this book? Look at that book. You can have this book. So many words, so many years, so much history, and interwoven throughout the entire thing is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You could be cruising through Ecclesiastes and then just boom, one verse hits you out of nowhere. Wait a minute, there's nobody on earth? And there, there's nobody? No, none are righteous. No, not one. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody. And it's when we come to that place that we also find ourselves in the wisest moment of our existence. You want to talk about wisdom? You want to talk about wise? The moment that you submit yourself in totality to the lordship of Jesus Christ, his dying on the cross for your sins, being buried and raised from the dead, is the most wisest moment of your entire existence. And this is why. It's because at that point, when your relationship is restored with God, that you really start to begin to live to dying to the old, being alive, fresh in the spirit to the new. And it's something that God wants everybody to experience. And by the grace of God, we are able to experience it only by God's grace. And you can continue to walk in wisdom in that. Take that and, and keep going forward with it. Keep walking in wisdom that you now know God, that you are now reconciled to him, that he wants to engage you. He wants you to understand. He doesn't want to keep you in the dark. He doesn't laugh at you when you're confused. The enemy is the one that brings confusion. He loves you. The difference between confusion and trust is huge. God wants us to trust him. The devil wants you to be confused. But God is not the author of confusion. Amen? There is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. Verse 21 is our next takeaway. Also, do not take to heart everything people say, lest, lest you hear your servant cursing you. For many times also your own heart has known that even you have cursed others. That's a golden one, isn't it? That's a good verse. Man, it's so true. So uh, profoundly true. And here's what I have. Our takeaway point for this is don't take yourself too seriously. That's wise. You, ha you have an estimation of yourself that's higher than what other people think of you, what other people think of you, right? You do. And when you find out that their estimation of you is less than what yours is of yourself, <laughs> you get offended. It's offensive. No, I'm not that person. I just heard recently somebody came and told me, which they shouldn't have. They came and said, hey, this is what so-and-so thinks about you. I'm like, oh, that's not me. And then what happens is I can just receive that and say, you know what, whatever, you're gossiping, leave me alone, getting rid of all the hate in my life, shake it off, you know, let's keep moving forward. But that's, that's what I want to do. But what happens is, uh, oh yeah, you know, well, whatever, I don't care what they think about me anyway. And then I walk away and the wheels start turning <laughs> and I start going back in history 
because love keeps no record of wrongs. And I have a list of things that offended me about that person. And I say, oh, yeah, you got two things on me. I've got 20 on you, tenfold what you got on me. And the Lord's like, Tim, calm down. And sometimes I've done this before, which is super awkward. I don't know if it's a spiritual gift or what, but people don't typically do this. I will go to that person and I will say, hey, somebody told me you said this about me. I'm not mad. I just want to, one, make sure it's true, and two, apologize if I offended you. I did this to a person once who, who was saying and doing a lot of things like continuously against me. And then they deleted me from Facebook, which is the worst. Like it doesn't get any worse. It's like a slap, two-handed slap, boom, boom. I'm not only your, your real life friend, I'm not even your virtual friend anymore. And I'm like, whoa, that crosses the line. So I go to, I go to them. Everybody's like, fine, I'll block you too. No, I go to them in person. And I'm like, hey, listen, first of all, this is how I started. First of all, Whatever I did that offended you, I am sincerely sorry for. I, did, I had no intention. I have no ill will towards you. I really have no clue. Like, I'm coming to you in the dark, completely no clue why you're so upset with me. So first and foremost, please just, please forgive me, okay? I'm sorry. And, and, and I'd like to have a conversation with you. They were so shocked. It was like, it was like a, a deer in the headlights. It's like they turned ghost white. And they're just like, oh, okay. So why are we talking about it? Because if, something, if there's a transgression here, I, I, I want to I handle it. I want to take care of it. And the other thing, I noticed that you deleted me off Facebook. <laughs> and like if it was bad enough for you to delete me off Facebook, then it must be bad. So please, you know, tell me. They started, you know, their eyes started leaking. Maybe it was allergy season or whatever. We got to have an amazing conversation for like over an hour. And at the end of it, they, you know, they said to me, the reason that, that I was so upset with you and some of the people that I was talking about, the reason I was so upset it was because of the conviction that I feel of the presence of God in your life and the absence of God in my life and the conviction I feel of how I'm not living my life the way that I'm supposed to. And that's the reason why I didn't said those things. And that's the reason why I don't want to see what you post on Facebook, because it hurts me that I'm not doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing. I'm like, fair enough enough. That's, that's pretty, thank you for sharing that. And can I add you later? Because I don't, you know, if my numbers drop in, then people are going to think I'm not cool. And I really need to make sure people, even if I'm not. So they did. And we're still friends today, virtually, not physically. I'm just kidding. We are physically too. <laughs> Don't take to heart everything, people. Don't take yourself so seriously, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Oh, by the way, for many times also your own heart has known that you have, you've cursed others. Have you, are you curseless? Do you not have opinions about people? Do you not talk about people behind their back? Have you never said anything bad about anybody in your whole life? Yes, you have. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, and you'll be sharing something and then you'll, somebody will be bothering you so much and it'll just come out. And your estimation of that person is less what their estimation is of themselves, and, and maybe you're both wrong. But this is something that the Lord brought to mind. As I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about 
The verses we're reading this morning, and I was thinking about this person recently who upset me, and I was struggling with, you know, with my list that's not there because I love them and all of these things. Um, I was, uh, the Lord reminded me this very graciously. He said, Tim, don't forget, don't forget that by whatever means you measure others, you yourself will be measured. So don't be overly righteous like the beginning point, right? Don't be overly righteous because if you're self-righteous and you have this high estimation of yourself, then that's the measure that's going to be used to measure you. So be careful. And don't get too upset when you hear somebody say something bad about you. Just, you know, don't worry about it too much because you say bad things about people too. And by the same measure that you judge others, you're going to be measured. I'm like, oh Lord, I needed to hear that. You know why? Because that's real life. We're not here talk, to talk about, you know, whoever, you know, Oprah's newest book release and how it makes us feel good and all that jazz. We're not here to, to, to be motivational in our nature, in our relationship with God. We're here to have our hearts and lives changed. Amen? We need the God of all wisdom to address the issues of our life so that we can look more like him for his glory and for his kingdom. Verse 23 All this I have proved by wisdom. I said I will be wise, but it was far from me. As for that which is far off and exceedingly deep, deep, who can find it? I applied my heart to know, to search and seek out wisdom and the reason of things. That's our focus, verse 25, but these three verses go together. and, And the purpose of these three verses coming together, number five, is to seek Knowledge and wisdom, though it may be difficult. You could find yourself in a situation where you want to give up, you don't want to seek wise counsel, you don't want to do what's right. And, and, and Solomon says, the author says, you need to keep going. He says, I proved by wisdom. I said, I will be wise. That's my intention. I want to be wise, but it's far from me. It's difficult. And you find yourself, the, the smarter that you get or the wiser you get, the, the more there is to consider. It's like diving into the Bible. The more you study, the more you're like, oh my goodness, there's so much here. God, it's so rich. It's so alive. And, and he's saying the, the further that he went in wisdom, the deeper that he realized he could go and it was unfathomable. It was too much for him. And sometimes you can be overwhelmed. Don't stop. Do you know that whatever season or stage of life you're going through right now, it's going to come to an end. And you're going to think that you got everything figured out and everything's good and everything's great. And then right at that point, your season's going to change and you're going to be in a different season where none of those other things apply anymore. And you're going to have to learn what it's like to be in this new kind of season. It's the way it is. God keeps it fresh, switching it up. And you get to the next season and you realize the application of wisdom from the past doesn't necessarily fit for today, but it still does fit to a certain extent. But now you have it to give to others also, right? Oh, I've been through that. That stage and this stage and that stage. And this this is why it's so important and and something that's foundational since we started uh, this church over here. It's so important for the word of God instructs us that the older shall teach the younger. I believe the enemy has gotten into the church today and has tried to divide and compartmentalize everybody and be like only the old people hang out with each other and only the young people hang out with each other and only this. And yes, we do have different groups that have a certain focus, but in some churches, it's so, it's so 
serious that, that, that we can't, you know, we can't all be together. There's a new family, and I don't, you know, I don't mind. Uh, they don't even, they're probably not watching, obviously. But there was a new family that came like a month or, month or so ago. They had two teenage kids. You guys don't know them. It's not a big deal, okay? But they came in. I met them. Hey, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. And um, they talked to one of our people after the service and said, why don't you guys have a high school and junior high ministry during the service? And we tried to explain, hey, you know, we have what we call family services. We have other services on top of it that the youth can go to, but we really want families to be together. You know, it seems like everything in our, in our culture, everything in our society is getting everybody to do their own thing. Husband, you go to your career. Wife, you go to your career. Kids, you go to your school. You go to your sports. And we spend more time with other people in, in, in our lives than with the people who are supposed to be the closest to us and most important to us that we grow apart. And next thing you know, we're living life for ourselves. We're not living life together. We're not living life as community. And that's one of the reasons why our church fellowship is so organic and healthy and the culture is good because we do it together. Does that mean that we will never have a separate service on Sundays for the youth? No, that does not mean that. Absolutely not. And to some point... Um, We'll have to ask those harder questions. And we'll have to ask, how can we retain this God-given culture that you gave us, Lord, while still moving forward and addressing needs, legitimate needs that people have? But the people, long story short, they're like, oh, you guys don't have youth ministry. We're out of here. I'm like, okay, you know, sorry. Sorry we're not in that season right now. That's just the way that it is. And things can change, but we want to be wise. You know, we want to be seeking God. God, what is, what, is, what is the place that you have for us right now? And I will, I say this emphatically, and there's going to come a time where the Lord always makes me, you know, make sure that I'm careful what I say. So I'll be careful when I say this. I will say we will never prohibit kids from being in our services. I just got a phone call last week. The guy said, hey, do you, do you prohibit children from being in your service? I said, absolutely not. I don't care. I've got kids. Kids can be loud. Kids can cry. Something starts happening. Take them out. It doesn't bother me. It may bother the person next to you, but probably for like five seconds until you leave the sanctuary. Okay? It, that, 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 that's, just, that's our heart. That's our vision. That's how we want to be. So I, I can say that we would never, I don't ever want to be in that place where we would have to do that. But at the same time, like, Lord, what do you want to do? Less about what we want to do. Lord, what do you want to do? How do you want us to work through this? Keep seeking wisdom. That's what this is. Keep seeking. It may be difficult. It may be hard. Seek knowledge and wisdom, even though it's difficult. Look at this, too. We have the two words in here. I applied my heart to know. To know. To know is what? To know is knowledge. To know is information. To know is to have the facts. So he, he, he applied his heart to know, to, to receive that knowledge, to search and seek out wisdom because the seeking out of wisdom is, is the further valuation of working through of the knowledge that you have, the truth that you have. So, so keep going, apply my heart to knowledge, seek and search out wisdom and the reasons of things. To know the wickedness of folly, even of foolishness, foolishness and madness. Even, you, don't, you can't really wrap your head around why bad people do bad things. It's just not, it's, it's, it's too much for us. But that's connected to our next point, actually, which I thought about not including, and I said this to the first service, but I think that we have to be aware. So um, I will share with you. Verse 26 
And I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets, whose hands are fetters. He who pleases God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be trapped by her. All right, so we live in a culture, we live in a society that is going more and more and more to the indulgence of the flesh. We say, how do you identify? Who do you want to be? What do you want to be? And whatever it is, we're going to try to accommodate, on, accommodate you on it. We're going to put it on the voting ballots. We're going to do all this stuff. And we're just going, we're going away um, from, from our moralistic beginning, right? So we need to be careful. Nowadays, more than ever, We've got these billboards uh, on the side of the street. And people, Christians, I hear, I hear people complain or be upset about these billboards. And, and I am too. I don't like it. But, but it's, it's, I'm so far past the billboards. You know why? Because I lived in Europe for 10 years where that same woman scantily clad on a uh, 30 by 20 or whatever over the freeway, that same woman in the city that I lived in Europe would be completely naked without one drop of clothing on. It would be a necklace advertisement with a necklace and it would be a completely nude woman. That's what we had to navigate through. Our culture isn't that bad, but we're, we're kind of going in that direction to where it's accepted and it's okay. It's not, it's, it's not acceptable. It's not okay. Also with technology, it's crazy now, like the things that you can access on the internet. It is literally bonkers. I had to get my cousin to buy me my first Playboy. And I say that to you knowing that you know I was not a believer and I did not know what I was getting myself into. But why I say it is there was a process. I had to do certain things to get to an end, right? But now there's no process. It's like one button, boom, you're there. I just heard this story not too long ago about this woman who's an Uber driver who drives around. She drives for Uber. She gets paid to do it, right? She legitimately works for Uber, but she has purposed in her heart to sleep with as many men as she can that she gives rides to. So she gets a guy in her car by herself and she offers herself to him for the sake of causing him to commit adultery or causing other people to stumble. And she's open about this and she talks about it and it just, it, it breaks my heart. What we're talking about here is the denigration of, of what true, real sexuality is supposed to be like, what we talked about in our first Corinthians study. It, it's, it's, it's getting lowered and lowered, and people are doing things that are, that are unbelievable. You would never think that, that they would do things like this. And this is what he's saying. He's saying that there are people out there. There's this woman, particularly, whose heart is snares and nets. You know how a, a, a woman who has this kind of a heart gets a hold of somebody? She throws her body at you. And then once you make those compromises, she's got you right where she wants you. And here's the thing. This is not new. This has been around since the beginning of time. And, and we see it very clearly with Joseph. You know, Joseph was the head of Potiphar's house. He was doing very well. He was very successful. Potiphar's wife looks at him. He's desirable. He's young. She tries to force him to lay with her. He refuses and he runs in the other direction. Do you know what Joseph was? Joseph was wise. He was a wise man. And I never, you know, I, I, I've never been in that kind of situation before, but it kind of makes my stomach turn a little bit. That somebody that I've never met before, or even somebody that I did know would offer themselves to me in that way is just kind of, it's, it's gross. No, it's not just a physical action. 
So he's saying, be wise in this, know this. These people are out there. This is the kind of thing that's happening. And he who pleases God shall escape from her. What does that mean? It means those who are submitted to God and seeking God's uh, image bearing on their lives. You know, like Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom, in whom I am well pleased. Those kind of people who have God's heart in life will not be affected by the, the appetites of the flesh, but the sinner shall be trapped by her. Here's what I found, says the preacher, adding one thing to another to find out reason, which my soul still seeks, but I cannot find. One man, one man among a thousand I have found, but a woman among all these I have not found. Truly, this only I have found, that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. This is very interesting. He's saying, in, in, survey a thousand people, thousands of people. It's like nobody lives up to the standard. Nobody is, is, is found to be found that, that somebody can point their finger and say, that person. I, I have no, I completely understand the enemy's tactics when it comes to pointing fingers at people. We're seeing this in politics right now. I'm not going to bring up politics. Don't worry. Don't worry. Everybody knows I'm a Democrat. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That was offensive. I apologize. <laughs> All you have to do is point your finger at somebody, right? And say, they're getting appointed to a high office. That person did something to me. And then all of a sudden, oh, I'm sure that that person did do something bad at some point in time. I'm pretty sure. In fact, every single person on planet Earth can have their finger pointed at them and say, that person did this. Yeah, they probably did. It was probably a long time ago. And hopefully they don't live in that kind of mentality anymore. So how do we, how do we adjust? How do we respond to these challenges that, that we find ourselves in? And then this truth, this is, this is a difficult truth because some people manipulate or make this look different than it is. So please don't do that this morning. Try to follow with me. Look at this. Truly, this only I have found that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. Here's my takeaway point for this. It's inherent in us to do right. I mean, no, we're not, we're not perfect, right? But there's something in us that God makes us understand that there's certain things that you do that are good and things that you do that are bad. So there's some kind of, of, of thing in our lives that God says, hey, listen, inherently, you know that I desire you to be good and not be bad, and I want you to respond in that way. But here's where the, the thing changes. It changes from God wants us to do what's good and not do what's bad to the point where I know what's good, I know what I'm doing or what I should be doing that's good, but then I kind of scheme my way out of it. Have you guys ever done that before? You do it every day. You know how I know? Because I do it every day. I think, you know, well, I should share the gospel with this person at the gas station, you know, because it just so happens that, that, that they're asking me questions about my bumper sticker. And I really don't have the time of day, and they're probably going to hell anyway, so <laughs> no big deal. That's not nice. 
So then I look and say, God, you know, is this an opportunity that you've given me? But I've got that meeting. But, I, you know, I need to get over there by this time. But they're probably not interested. But I'm just going to get rejected. But, 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 but. And I make excuses and I scheme my way out of an opportunity God gave me to do good. And you can do the same thing. You can be presented with something or know something. And God said, this is something good I have for you. This is something good for your life. Inherently, I gave you, the, in a sense, inherently that, that I, I destined you to do it since, since time began. Here, here's an opportunity for you. Oh, but then the scheming comes in and it changes the whole picture. And you can argue, argue yourself out of doing something that the Lord has given you to do very easily, very quickly. By understanding that and coming to terms with that, you can overcome the enemy by continuing to move forward and by doing good. Because inherently, as a believer, for you and I today, inherently as a believer, you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been sent into the world to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and the coming judgment. So we know. And guess what? The world knows too. It's just a matter of the wires being crossed. It just matter, what matters is us being able to communicate that to people. And God wants to give us good opportunities to do that. So it's inherent in us to do right. Don't scheme your way out of it. That's wisdom. And then lastly, we're going to look at the first verse in chapter 8 because this is kind of a package deal. And who is like a wise man? And who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the sternness of his face is changed. A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the sternness of his face is changed. You know, people who are really wise, you ever met somebody who's genuinely, truly, godly wise? And you notice that their face does kind of shine. This truth is, is for real. Like, oh, wow, like they're just shining. There's a couple people, a few people in our church that shine. Not all of you guys, but we're working on you. But there's a few that truly shine in wisdom. And, and I would like to say, I just had somebody come up to me the other day and say, I was talking to so-and-so, and, and, and we were talking for a long time, and they are so wise. And they, they just, I don't even remember if they say it, but it's like, they just shine in that wisdom. The opposite of that shining is what? The crunchy face. Are you crunchy? Uh, trying to figure everything out. I'm not happy with anybody, and everybody makes me mad. And uh, you know, uh, I'm wise in my own estimation. How come I'm not wise in anybody else's? Good wrinkle remedy: seek the wisdom of God. Look, no lines. <laughs> and then God will give you that wisdom as you seek it from Him, and you will shine to others like God has shown to you. It's a truth. It's a nugget of wisdom. Let's go through all seven in closing and consider it for our week. Let your face shine. Consider the work of God. Consider what's going on right now is not because of you. It's not because of what somebody else has done to you. It's not any of those things. It's because you are a part of God's work and, and he wants you to trust him even though the enemy would like you to be confused about it. Number one, consider the work of God. Number two, avoid extremes. Don't be an extremist, okay? God is good. He loves you. 
There's no reason to be overly righteous or to be a fool. Number three, fear God. It's the key. It's kind of almost in the middle, which is good, but it's the most important thing. Have a fear and reverence for God. You will go a long way and your life will look very wise. Number four, don't take yourself too seriously, okay? Yeah, we get it. You've got the highest estimation of yourself. Nobody's smarter than you in your own eyes. But don't take yourself too seriously. Everybody's different. Everybody's going to have an opinion. And if you have the opportunity to love people and to forgive people, take it. Because by whatever measure you measure others, that is the measure that you are going to be measured with as well. Number five, seek knowledge and wisdom, though it may be difficult. Don't give up. Listen, brother, sister, you're going to go into difficulty. You're going to need wisdom. You're going to need to cry out to God for that wisdom. Don't give up. Don't just stop because it's too hard because it's too unsearchable. God says that he'll show you, he'll give it to you if you seek him, if you search for him with all of your heart. So do it. And if you're giving up, you didn't give all of your heart yet. That's the bottom line. If, you, if you're giving up, then you haven't given all of your heart to seeking him for it. Because if you had, then he would have given you the direction and revelation that you need. Number six, it's inherent in us to do good. Don't scheme. Know ahead of time that God has good things for you because he, he, he hardwired you to be a representation of him through the blood of Jesus Christ. So don't find yourself trying to scheme your way out of doing something that you know God had in store for you since forever ago, like literally, okay? Number seven, let your face shine. That, makes, that brings perspective, doesn't it? Wake up in the morning, seek God in wisdom, and then know that as you step out, your life is going to shine. You're like Moses coming down from the mountain. Well, how come you're all shiny? Because I'm smart. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. I sought God. I received wisdom. Take those things, whichever one applies to you, write it down. Remember it. Consider it. Swish it around in your head and, and take the wisdom of God that he has for you in your life right now and, and let it be applied. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this word to us today, that you love us so dearly that, that, that you would not only speak to us once, but that you would continue to speak to us, that you'd continue to reveal yourself to us, that you'd continue to show us your goodness. And God, we want to be a wise people. We don't want to be known as fools. We don't want to be known as self-righteous. We want to be known as people who love you, who are submitted to you, who serve you, in fear and in reverence, because you alone are worthy to be praised. You alone are worthy to be praised. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that you alone are Lord. And we get this privilege to gather together as your body to worship you, to receive your word, and to be a picture or a light in this dark place. In Jesus' name we pray.